Good morning and welcome to Whangaparoa Baptist Church. Uh, my name is Mark Powell and it's my pleasure to be able to share with you this morning. Um, Psalm 18.2 The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my saviour. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me and my place of safety. The Lord is my rock. At difficult times like this, as we wrestle with uh, COVID-19 and other issues around that, with the difficulties that will come out of that, uh, that is a comfort to many. But for many, they would say that it's really just a delusion. It's a crutch. It's something you may lean on, but it's not really true. It's not objectively true. It's something that's true for you, uh, but it's not true for me. It's like a cloud, like a mist, like quicksand. Uh, it's not a rock that we can actually stand on. Uh, that's what I want to talk about today, because I believe it is a rock we can stand on at these difficult times. But it's a rock that is not just something that makes us feel better, you know, a helpful delusion. It's real. It's true. God is our rock. I, I believe that strongly. And I think that's important for us as Christians to know. In Luke 1, uh, the writer of Luke, Luke, <laughs> says that right at the beginning in, in chapter 1, verse 1, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an account for you. Most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. You may know the certainty, and I strongly believe that we may know the certainty that God is our rock. Some people don't like that word certainty. They feel it can mean an arrogance, but I feel it's a certainty that is based on evidence. Again, some, some Christians don't like the, the don't like the claim that we need evidence. They say we should just believe, we should just have faith. But I think that's misplaced. I think we have a trust, a trust that's got reasons for that trust. You can say evidences for that trust. I think sometimes when people say you just have faith, they, they're really saying that they're really talking about the type of evidence. I take an holistic view of what the type of evidence we have. Uh, different to many people. Uh, I see evidence as more as hard evidences as some people might call them and they're more direct personal evidences the hard evidences of science I think point to God how we can apply reason and logic history archaeology pointing to the truth of scripture and of Jesus and then you know the evidences that I think some people who are uncomfortable with that word may be thinking more of. The evidence of personal experience of life, of the human condition. The evidence of direct perception and encounter and direct intuition of properly basic uh, beliefs and revelation. And then the collective tradition, culture, wisdom of many people's experiences uh, and direct perception as well. I believe these are all clues from which we can know what we know. 
we don't need absolute certainty on everything. There's many things that we don't have certainty on. But there are some things we can know. Some things I think we, what I call the 10 out of 10s. Things we can know well with a high degree of certainty. But also we need the humility to know there's some things where there's not strong evidence. And we shouldn't claim that either. There are two equal and opposite errors I think that people can make, that Christians can make in brief. There's shallow defensive certainty where there isn't really strong evidence from all those clues. But I think there's the opposite extreme that it says that, well, because we can't know everything, we float in a sea of doubt. I think both are wrong. There are things we can know. Just like, just like a jury in a court of law, we weigh up all these evidences, science, history, logic, personal experience, direct encounter, and the collective wisdom and, and traditions. We, we weigh all that up and see whether we can infer good things with certainty, real things with certainty that we can know. And like a court of law, we should interrogate the experts. We shouldn't just be cowed by the experts and say, oh, well, the experts say this, the experts say that. We should interrogate their evidence because experts sometimes disagree. So I think from that, there are some things we can know. And I think that's scriptural. God clearly reveals in scripture. In Deuteronomy, it reveals that the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things revealed belong to us, to our children forever. The secret things, things we may not know, and the things revealed, the things we can know. And in the New Testament, in Romans, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? God's revelation is not exhaustive. Everything is not revealed. We can't know everything, but it is sufficient. Sufficient. We can know many things. We can know the essential things, what we need to know, and it is revealed. Let's go back to all those evidences. Let's start with science. Science reveals much of the, uh, about the natural world, the universe. And from that, we can infer a design in mind and cause, cause and design for this universe. The fact is, the universe had a start. Science points to that. And from that, we can ask the question, well, what caused the universe? It was either something outside of time that is not, in mat is not material, is not in space and time, or it just happened. Now, what could be non-material outside of space and time? It's got to be non-physical. It's got to be eternal. And actually, it's got to be a person. It's got to have a will, an ability to make choices. And it's got to be all-powerful. That sounds a lot like God. Then there's this universe itself. Science shows over and over how this universe seems incredibly fine-tuned for the existence of humanity in this planet, at this place, at this time. It's, this fine-tuning is beyond chance. It's beyond just happening, just so, it points again to design. And then there's the incredible, irreducible complexity of life. 
couldn't have just come about in gradual changes without a designing intervention in cause. And since the 1950s, we found out that, that the core, the base of life is DNA. And DNA is coded information, specified complex information. And the only source we know of specified complex information is a mind, a designing mind. And this again points to an ultimate designing mind. It points to God. And then humanity, humanity itself. We are of an order of difference to all other species. We are a qualitative chasm between us and any other species made in the image of God. And part of that image of God takes us to the next evidences. As in science, reason, logic, history, human experience, direct perception, and collective tradition and wisdom. Well, reason, logic, actually, is part of the image of God in us. We look at all these evidences and say, does it make sense? But the laws of logic, the laws of underpinning mathematics and numbers in this universe can't be proven by science. They are immaterial, non-physical realities that are just there. Where did they come from if they're non-physical? What does that point to? Well, it points to the existence of God. And in our image, us being made in the image of God, says we can make sense and apply our reason to all the evidences to see to make sense of those evidences and infer what they point to. Then there's the historical evidences. We've had science, we had uh, logic and reason. The, historic, the historical evidences strongly support the reality of Jesus. That Jesus existed, that Jesus did what is revealed in Scripture. It's supported by the archaeological evidence. It's supported by external sources such as Tacitus, Suetonius, Josephus, and others. It points to the reality of Christ. Who was he? Was he who he said he was, who he claimed to be? He couldn't have been a liar. He couldn't have been a lunatic. We're really left with no choice. And then there's the evidence that supports the resurrection. The ultimate base of the Christian faith. The historical evidence to support that. We can trust in that. It points to the truth of it. Then there's beauty. Our human experience of true beauty, of the transcendent beauty. There's something when we experience true beauty that is something that we're almost touching. True beauty in nature it takes our breath away. It points to something more. How do we make sense of that? And the same with the arts and music and dance. All human societies have this. It points to a source of true beauty. It points to God. And then the question of ethical principles and ethical obligations. Good and evil, who decides? Is that something just made up by society? 
Do societies construct what's right or wrong, fair or unfair, just or unjust? That's what we're left with if there is no such thing as God. But I think deep down instinctively, again, direct intuition and perception, we know that some things are right or wrong, fair or unfair, just or unjust, in all places at all times. And that points to a moral lawgiver. And our sense of obligation, our sense of oughtness, shouldness, points to an obligation to that lawgiver. Otherwise, we have no basis to critique societies such as Hitler's Nazism. Basically, they just lost the war. They weren't wrong if we accept that society constructs good or evil. One of the main critiques of Christianity is, well, why would an all-powerful, all-known, all-good God allow evil? But actually, you know, I would argue that the existence of evil points to the existence of a good, true good, a real good, and points again to God. Bertrand Russell, once, a famous atheist, once said, no one considered the bedside of a dying child is still believing God. What he was saying is there, how can, you, how can you acknowledge God in the midst of this suffering? I would argue, how can't you acknowledge, acknowledge God? If you, if you don't know straight, you can't know crooked. We can't know what's evil without knowing what's good. That points to that reality of the true good again. And that, points to God. And finally, it points to a true love. To deny God actually denies the most fundamental parts of being human. And the core of that is love. And the true love of a God who sacrificed himself on the cross for us so we can be in eternity with him. Also, the fact that we have a soul, we directly perceive that, points to something more beyond this physical universe. C.S. Lewis famously said, you don't have a soul, you are a soul, you have a body. We directly perceive a soul. Our whole language argues to that. And that soul, our spirit, can sense eternity. God has put that. Eternity in the heart of humanity. Ecclesiastes. We, we have a deep sense within us that we directly perceive of something more beyond this life. And that takes us to the ultimate evidence. And again, often those who say we should just have faith, I think this is, this is the evidence they actually are pointing to. They, do, they don't just believe. They have evidence of their direct encounter with God's Spirit. Perhaps the most powerful evidence you can have. Blaise Pascal said, The heart has its reasons that reason does not know. There is a knowing that goes beyond the types of things I've talked about. It is the di direct knowing of direct encounter. The most powerful of evidence. And finally, I've gone through science, I've gone through reason and logic, I've gone through history, I've gone through our human experience, I've gone through direct perception, individually and collectively. We have scripture. Scripture that is confirmed by all those evidences. All those evidences correspond to scripture. 
they confirm the truth of Scripture, and Scripture itself then reveals even more of God. Psalm 18.2 The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my saviour. My God is my rock, in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, my place of safety. This is not a helpful delusion. It is not a crutch. In fact, I would say everyone's got a crutch. Be it money, be it status, be it position, be it alcohol. The question is, is the crutch true? Is the crutch real? Is the crutch a rock you can stand on? Our God is a rock we can stand on. Be blessed with this. Take this deep into your heart. Believe it. Trust in it in these difficult times. Thank you very much.